friends, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Jessica Howard, and with me from Uppercut is our very own editor-in-chief, Tyga Lee's Rowe. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm vibing. Um, it's two days You're always Christmas. vibing. It's true. I it just, it's either that or I'm going to be, like, stressed out, so I choose to vibe. <laughs> there, are, there are two modes for you. And that's yeah. good. I wish that it's I chose to Are you more. stressed just... or are you vibing? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to do this. We haven't done this in so long. I f- I'm like rusty. I, I apologize if, uh, if it shows. This is, it's weird. It's been a while. Yeah, we had to do our podcast stretches. I know. <laughs> um, what would those even look like? I, I don't know. Um, but anyways, today we have two people on the show who I have the absolute biggest, I, I wrote this note down and I feel kind of lame saying it, but I'm going to, um, career crushes on because frankly, they do not miss. <laughs> they are both immensely talented individuals and I'm beyond excited that they were able to take some time away from their holidays to join us. The first of these guests is a phenomenal writer, editor, and Pokemon trainer. For the past five years, she's been kicking ass and taking names as one of the best games reviewers around writing pieces that are both impassioned and insightful. She's the reviews editor at GameSpot, a member of the Game Awards Future class, and a beacon of hope in this industry. Callie Plaguey, how are you tonight? Oh my god, better now. <laughs> that was so <laughs> nice. <laughs> the, Jesse's, okay, uh, I, Jess's intros are pretty fucking good. Wow. I, I like hyping people up. People deserve more praise than they, they let themselves have. So I, I try to make sure people feel a little bit loved. I feel so loved. Thanks for having me. I'm like, I can't Thank even you speak. Thank for coming on. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm so excited to have you. And our final guest tonight is known for both his work in motion graphic design and creative direction, as well as for his prolific career in games criticism. He is a writer that is equal parts deconstructive and uplifting and challenges both us and the games industry at large to be better. His work includes acting as the creative director on Netflix's Patriot Act and as the writer at Unwinnable, Bullet Points, Vice Games, and more. Yusuf Cole, how are you doing tonight? Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks you. Thank you for the intro as well. Yeah, of course. It took a second, but we, uh, we made it work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so today's topic, and I mean, I'm sure you can tell if you're looking at the episode name, but today's topic to properly introduce it, um, Cyberpunk happened. <laughs> And we're recording what? this a couple weeks before this episode airs, so I don't know if maybe we should take a second to, like, speculate whatever mind-blowing shit is going to happen between now and then. Um, Jessica, do you really even... think we can guess? Do you really <laughs> no. think? Because I fucking can't. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, is it's like... Someone posted they... something in our meme channel on our Discord today, and they were like, is this a meme or is it real? And I was like, I don't know. I genuinely this... don't know if this is a real cyberpunk statement or not. <laughs> CD Projekt Red has uh, obtained the nuclear codes. <laughs> That's oh, basically no. the trajectory. God save us all. <laughs> um, but this episode is not about cyberpunk, uh, but rather a conversation that was kind of born out of that whole mess, which for lack of a better term is uh, game review practices. So to frame this conversation, uh, Callie, you were kind of at the center of an absolutely ridiculous shit show um, after writing an extremely understanding and fair review on the game. So do you want to touch on that experience a little bit before we dive in? Um, Sure. Yeah. I uh, wrote that review um very much at the 11th hour. I think I finished it at uh, midnight or 1am the night before the embargo. 
And I honestly, I was like, wow, that's the best I de that's definitely the best I could have done <laughs> with the time that I had. I was like <laughs> feeling okay. Um, I was really nervous. I had been nervous for months leading up to this review um, just because like I, I wanted to do it justice. And also I knew that it would be bad probably. Um, and I definitely like I was expecting um, some frustration from the gamers. So I was checking people's uh, certain mm -hmm. certain bearded men's Twitter accounts to see <laughs> if I perhaps was the subject of a video. Um, so I knew it was coming, but what I didn't expect was mm. everybody being so supportive of me because normally, like, I'm so used to this in my career. This has happened to me so many times um, that, like, I'm just kind of like, well, this might as well happen. But um, I, I, I'm not as accustomed to people being nice to me. <laughs> so when everybody was like, hey. That's the saddest <laughs> thing. God, I, I hate this. <laughs> it's just, you know, that's how it is oh. but um i when everybody yeah. was like hey that was well written i was like really <laughs> okay um <laughs> so it was kind of actually a net good for me self-esteem wise um but it was really frustrating because of course um some stuff was taken out of context from a video i did at 6 30 p.m on a day that i uh hadn't yet eaten because i was so busy playing the game um and I, it just, it's why I'm so controlling when I edit reviews, because I'm like, you never know how they're going to get you. And uh, mm. I, so I felt like a kind of like a tinfoil hat sort of thing where I was like, didn't I tell you? Listen to me next time. Um, I'm totally rambling. <laughs> it was a whirlwind experience. And I slept a whole lot. I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go back to bed. And that's how I got through it. <laughs> Honestly, like, that's the best thing you can do, though, I've found in these situations is just, like, log off and go to bed. Yep. <laughs> but no, it's it's a good, I'm glad that you brought up, though, like, having to think like an editor and knowing that people will find ammunition in anything. Um, I mean, that's, like, one thing that Ty, as an editor, you've always been super adamant about, you know... Like, when you look at a piece, you look at it that way. Um, and I think it's born out of, like, any sort of, you know, marginalized creator or writer, like, just expecting that, which is really well, depressing. I mean, if you're, um, I mean, the thing, the I, problem with our industry as a whole is, like, there are far too many editors who don't do that mm -hmm. and, like, who are not, like... At some point, we as a games industry need to have a conversation about editorial stewardship um, because... Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't do it. And then you get people with bad headlines getting destroyed. Yes. Um, and like, yeah, it, it's important for us because we know like we're going to get the shit kicked out of us no matter what we do. But like now at this point, like just being at a big outlet is a target, whether that outlet is like at all progressive or not. Like, so it's just. I feel like I'm going on a side tangent rant here, but at some point we have to have that conversation too. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's all that's, relevant. Yeah. Absolutely. That that's a good that's definitely a good oh sorry. I was just gonna say I, I agree that um and I think with smaller outlets like like uppercut and like the like for mine bullet points like and unwinnable, we're you're almost like more aware because you're you're right, like it it becomes like there's more defensiveness and you don't have your brand to rely on. And you kind of have to make sure that you're putting out the best work. And I think um, 
I've I mean I've seen improvement definitely in like um in some bigger sites, but there's an element of like like sometimes you're just like really <laughs> like you let this go up um like I mean like there's this probably like a way bigger amount of work that has to go up if you're like if you're making if you're trying to like you know exist in capitalism as as a giant website, but there are there are there are things that could be avoided in article and like way things are framed and and um and arguments that could be cleaned up and 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 just like finessed and edited like the job of an editor they're just like bad editors that are really that are making it hard for um like such people who are new to the field uh who don't have the the experience to edit themselves to then um you know put their work unfinished out on the internet and then get kind of torn apart and and potentially you know pushed out of the industry Mm -hmm. right and that's a huge problem is people being straight up harassed out of the industry um it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're a writer streamer or whatever um and and at a certain point it just becomes too much you know you can't always log off and go to bed (laughs) um it just it piles up it wears you down um and that's why editors are so important (laughs) yeah i consider it what like my premier job as an editor to help protect well protect maybe isn't the right word but just help guide Mm -hmm. people um when i'm editing them to make sure it's as airtight as it can be and of course nobody's perfect and like there are certainly instances where you know we've published things that like could have been phrased better and i always consider that to be ultimately my responsibility and my fault um and that that was the weirdest thing about about what happened with the harassment um over the cyberpunk review was a lot of it was taken from a, a video that we did simply because of the embargo restrictions. We didn't do a traditional video review it in embargo because we couldn't use our own footage. So we did a conversation and I didn't get to edit myself the way that I would normally. Like in the past, I've had um, people go through my reviews and and like make sure they don't sound too feminine or too emotional, like just because I'm like, I can't sound weak because then they'll they'll come after me for like like in a call of duty review i was like should i say disturbing or distressing which one sounds less weak um and i didn't get to do that for the video version and and so i was absolutely kicking myself um on that even though i know it's ultimately not my fault at all um but yeah well yeah because that cyberpunk the nda on that was fucking ridiculous Uh, i mean i've seen worse for sure (laughs) But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> to be fair too, I'm, I'm newer to it. So like the worst one that I've seen personally was the last of us two, but was cyberpunk up. was even more intense than that. So it's, I, the, the conversation around like us as like arms of marketing versus like, you know, being the journalists, like telling people what's up with these things is so hard, especially like when it comes to the NDAs and like the, fucking defector thing the other day of oh everybody who signed that nda is a clown like yeah i i think gita jackson had a really good thread about it where she was talking about how what we do is technically access journalism and um being able to do our jobs effectively is often predicated on access and to some extent you do have to um handle yourself a certain way um and i don't think that means not being critical or taking companies to task or doing investigative reports and we've obviously seen people who do investigative reports and report on things get blacklisted that happens and it's really shitty um but her thread was just about how like there is a tight rope walk that you have to to go down and so 
you know, to be honest, when I when I saw that NDA, it didn't even raise any red flags for me. I've seen so many. I see every review embargo, like every embargo comes across my desk. And so to me, it wasn't that serious at all. I've had much stricter embargoes. Um, the Cyberpunk one didn't have anything about content as far as like the written content, no like spoiler guidelines, no content guidelines at all. Um, whereas a lot of embargoes will say you can't talk about this, this, and this. You can't talk about the game after this event in the game. Um, mm-hmm. So many embargoes have like very specific content guidelines, and so at least yeah. at least that didn't happen. That was the thing that bugged me so much about the Defector article. I was like, I have a screenshot of a bug in my review. I talk about bugs extensively. Like we didn't ignore it at all. Um, and we were allowed to post our own screenshots. The only thing was the video uh, restrictions, which wouldn't have mattered with the console version because we didn't have access to the console version. So it was just misinformed on top of being... Well, and the thing with that, too, is, shit. like, to me, there's a difference between, like, us and GameSpot. And that's not even that's not even a me. That's a thing. GameSpot, right, is, you know, funded by a corporation, blah, 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 right, whatever. Right. We're, like, a little indie site. If we had been like, yeah, we're going to take Cyberpunk and get that code and whatever, like, I think there's more room to be like, what are you doing? Because, like, we're not, we don't have to deal with, like, traffic or, you know, making sure that we're hitting anything or that we're meeting corporate standards or, like, you know, any of the million other things that have to go on in something as big as GameSpot. So Yeah, like, we're I- not as, like desperate like we don't have to have that content you know what i mean we're not like a source that people are going to for that cyberpunk content you know we can be more pick and choose and stuff like that but it's like with with those big games like you like ign gamestop like not gamestop wow GameSpot. (laughs) (laughs) like you you have to be able to cover those things like you're you're forced into into needing access um so it's yeah it's it sucks that people aren't more understanding of that and in that balancing act yeah absolutely i mean like Obviously, I I don't think any individual would prefer that it is this way, right? I think we all would value our freedom to cover things the way we want to cover them and within our own imposed guidelines rather than guidelines imposed by somebody else. But obviously, that's the business model we're working with. Um, And so, like, that, that was the thing about that defector piece where it was, like, blaming individuals for... What is arguably a structural problem, I think the actual uh, content of the article was just based on a misunderstanding of what the actual issue was. So, like, I kind of just disregarded the whole thing because I was like, you don't even know what you're talking about when you're talking about this. But if we're taking it in good faith, then I I would say putting that on the individual journalists and critics instead of on the system that we are working within because of the way a capitalism works and also the way that the conversation around games works is very like time sensitive. I mean, yeah, just it's obviously there are individuals who are like, like I did, you know, none of us were happy about the video embargo, you know, like that wasn't like, oh, great. I can't wait to sign this NDA. (laughs) But yeah, it's like even the stuff that they don't include is worse, (laughs) like the content um, filters or content embargoes and even the, t- the time that you get to play the game, I think, is the major. Yeah. Like, like, uh, the New York Times also wrote an article, which was very, also very ill-informed. <laughs> like, please just talk to somebody. <laughs> please just interview somebody. Talk to one person who has looked about at a video it. game in the past it's 10 so, years. <laughs> like, I don't write that many reviews, and I know that much more about it than 
like I guess the New York Times, but they wrote, yeah, they were like, people get games a month in advance. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? That does not exist. And maybe it existed in the 90s. Is that when you were like, this is the last time you like found information about reviewers? Seriously. But that's, it is a big, yeah, a big thing where it's like, we don't have time to cover, like to cover these games fairly. And, and um, I think fairly to both, in many ways, the games will also ourselves, like just as like, in terms of like labor, we're just, um, I think reviewers are expected to really um, spend all kinds of outside hours because it's just considered like a, playing a game. It's not yeah, actually considered it's labor. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you could play a game all night. That's fun, right? Like, I mean, it's it's aimed at somebody who doesn't, who isn't really like, you know, aiming for longevity in this career like it's for somebody who can who can burn themselves out on a on a passion project and instead of like actually treating it um more as a stable steady career and i think that that's definitely something that i would love to be see talked about in in, a, in the mainstream setting by these like you know these papers and and defector especially is like some a site that is so like aimed at at labor qual- like quality of life and um and the rights of freelancers and writers and it's like that's actually what we should be talking about like the the um the work situation of people who are writing about these games is not painting them as shills because they are working within a ridiculously flawed system um and something that is like very undervalued so yeah it's like kind of very frustrating to see the conversation that's not being had because like there's just no care or attention paid to it by people who should know better absolutely Mm -hmm. it's it's so frustrating um and i really like what you said about how it's treated like a passion project that you can like kind of burn out on rather than an actual career because that is so true and it's it's so frustrating (laughs) we wonder why like the turnover in the games industry is ridiculous um and it makes me like callie you said that you were like mentally bracing for having to review cyberpunk for like months and how many days did you actually get to play the game i played let's see i played uh for five days and then i wrote on the sixth day so god and and on the sixth day the review (laughs) oh my god ty i made that exact joke i was like i not to be sacrilegious or anything however um (laughs) no i uh I tweeted this too in response to the New York Times piece that was just kind of like it, that one was I wasn't like upset about. I was just like, man, did you only talk to a newspaper editor from like 1995? Yeah. But um, <laughs> I I had done the math. I knew that like I knew a few things going into that that week that the main story of cyberpunk was supposed to be uh, fewer hours than The Witcher 3's main story. So I was like, well, <laughs> The Witcher 3's main story is like 50 hours. So it'll be less than that. And then I'm going to bake in time for side activities and, and like whatever else. And so I budgeted, I was like, okay, on the first day, I'm going to play as many hours as I physically can. And then I'm going to try to average 10 hours every day after that, because I need to be able to start writing on Sunday. And I knew that I could do that because I had done that for Red Dead Redemption 2, um, which was, I think, exactly the same timetable. Mm-hmm. But it is not fun. I ruined my sleep schedule. I don't know why my voice is suddenly breaking, but um I like wasn't eating proper meals. I 
like my neck seized up on the second day and I couldn't like like move my head and then that went away um it's just not great <laughs> no and it's in you know we talked about how once again it's that passion project thing because I feel like people just expect you to be so grateful for it you know what I mean like oh mm -hmm. you got to play a game early like your job is playing games like oh I wish that I could play games 10 hours a day blah 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 it's like no you I don't, don't. I feel like there's... first of all no you don't second <laughs> of all like that's the thing too is like everyone's like oh video game reviews that's so cool and fun like I know for me personally like there is a joke in our server that like my entire career has been defined by me reviewing games I don't like and that I do not have a fun time playing <laughs> I have I'm trying to think of like any like especially paid reviews I have not gotten paid to review a single game I like I have oh no no that's not true I review Bayonetta so that counts <laughs> But Vanquish sucked, yeah. so 50-50 there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, every single game I've played, I'm like, oh, this is not a fun time. Cool. That's I'm glad that worst. I get to spend 40 hours having a bad time. <laughs> no, I mean, that's like, God. Okay, so I played Immortals before I played um, Cyberpunk for a piece. And with Immortals, like, that game is like a solid, like bc game you know what i mean like it's not like this like crazy amazing game but like i had fun with it at least like playing the game i i actively had fun um and then i started cyberpunk and i think that made it so much worse because like the whole time i was like i'm fucking miserable <laughs> like i don't <laughs> what am I playing this? um and it's so hard when it's like okay well now i'm like i have to stick with this i guess like i'm being paid for a thing like i i i have to do this but like it can be so grueling when your heart is not in it at all. Yeah, absolutely. I spent like the first couple years of my career reviewing just shovelware and, you know, games I had no interest in. Um, yeah. A dinosaur hunting game, like hyper dimension. That sounds incredible. Neptunia. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a knockoff dinosaur hunting game. And, and like, it, yeah, I mean, it, I will say, I, I think, you know, I have to say this. I believe this. I feel very lucky to still have a job. So, like, obviously, mm -hmm. like, I acknowledge that it's not the worst job to have. I overall like the job, but, like, we, we do need to have a conversation about the um, workload and the expectations we have for writers in this industry. I mean, and the industry as a whole, but speaking to what I know. Um, reviewing games is your brain is on the whole time because you're you're critiquing the thing the whole time it's not like oh i i played a fun game for 50 hours and then i guess i'll form an opinion like you're taking notes you're thinking the whole time like the, like there were times i stopped playing cyberpunk to google if something was like correct like the use of the word gringos by a brazilian person i was like <laughs> Do they say gringos in Brazil? And then I learned something new, which is that they use it differently than in Mexico. So I was like, oh, they actually use the word correctly, which I was surprised by in cyberpunk. And um, like you're you're very it's a very active process, like it's a mentally draining process, um, which I don't think a lot of people really understand if they aren't uh, used to it. Or if You know, they're very used to just playing games for fun and having a generally good time playing the games they're interested in playing. It's a very different beast when you're like. Like when I reviewed Days Gone, I reviewed that game because I was the only person 
available. <laughs> and I was, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't like, woohoo, I love motorcycle clubs. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> I like had the background knowledge necessary. I like zombie stuff, but I was just like, man, that's a, that's 50 hours ahead of me that I was uh, not excited to partake in. Hmm. Yeah. And no, I, I like what you said about how, you know, because I said, oh, there's there's that force like you should be grateful thing. And like, no, there is genuinely like working in games media, getting paid to do, you know, something that you love is super, super cool. But it's just anything that is a passion project there inevitably becomes like a boundary issue. Um, and then when your employers don't enforce you to have those boundaries and like care about you working, you know spending five hours a day doing news and then turning around and doing 10 hours of, you know, playing a game and having to sit there with your brain on critically thinking about it. Like it's, it's just a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I totally yeah. wasn't, I didn't mean to like counterpoint your forced gratefulness oh, thing because no, no, no. I think that's definitely a problem. I think so many employers in this industry bank on you feeling lucky to land the job because there aren't that mm -hmm. many jobs. Um, in in games writing and it, a lot of them are really coveted and i so i i think yeah i think there's a really weird dynamic at play there that i think you see in some other industries but not all of them certainly um but yeah i i guess in the context of covid yes i'm very lucky to still have a job is what i meant um yeah sorry yusuf you were gonna say something oh yeah no i mean i think i was just chiming in that it's yeah it's not even a counterpoint it's really just like support it that actually supports what we're kind of going for, right? Where it's like, we all are in this because we enjoy writing about games and talking about them. And like, it's about giving us the space to do that. Like giving us like the, the, the allowance and the, the, like the opportunity to actually spend time with something, spend time with a game and think about it and also not be super exhausted and burnt out and, and kind of just pushing out words because you have to. Um, there's like a lot of, yeah, I think game reviews are, like I haven't, um, I I guess I write more. I focus more on criticism, where I'm like mm -hmm. it's way later, and I'm kind of writing um, more generally, or like more kind of like a thesis or an argument. But this year, I've, I've written a few reviews uh, for Polygon, and one for Polygon, and one for Wired, and I think it was, and I had a lot of fun, and it was also because there was no strict. I mean, I guess there was an embargo, I guess, or there was like a t a deadline, but there were, it wasn't super strict. Um, and I was also like given a lot of time to like plan for it. Like for Polygon, I wrote one for about uh, Call of Duty for the new Cold War game, and and I was talking to Maddie, who's the um, reviews editor, thankfully now <laughs> of Polygon, um, and what like I was able to basically do research on the on the period and like read a bunch of books about it, which is like something I really like doing, and. I was able to incorporate that into what I wrote, and the same thing for I reviewed the Animal Farm game just a few weeks ago for Wired, and I was able to like reread Animal Farm and kind of get into that and kind of treat it like I treat my criticism, where I am usually trying to get some background because it's so like like you're saying with the Google thing where you look up like um, gringos in the game, it's like it's so fun to like to to both you know experience the game and and as you would a player but also to actually really um dig deep into it as as a reviewer and as a critic because it actually does make you a better like a more informed person 
mm-hmm. um, and then you're able to share that with people, and that's like the, the like so great when you're actually able to to digest that and to to grow it into something um, greater. I think than than just the experience of playing the game and talking about it. So I think like that aspect of of reviews and of criticism is obviously really um, appealing, and it's appealing to me, and it's really I want to do more of it, and I think it's about um, finding out how to do that in this like in an ecosystem that is very um very spare and very like hey the opportunities are so few and far between and and who gets to write the reviews is so few and far between uh because there are so you know the staff jobs are not there and then people who and like with freelance for example you know it's very uh it's usually uh hard to get the i guess the big titles because they're given to whoever staff understandably but you know it's just kind of like there's a lot of um of scarcity in the ecosystem that that then makes these like these more i think fundamental or more like kind of more foundational um attempts to cover games and more like broad attempts to expand what what the conversation is versus just like kind of running yourself through the grist mill like to get it out um it makes that like really really challenging and i feel like it's unfortunate too because there's such a pushback against games journalists um Mm-hmm. for for whatever reason um and it's kind of made oh yeah for whatever reason Jess for that, <laughs> yeah. for that strange I, unknown reason I, yeah for that strange unknown reason that we will not talk about um <laughs> today it is a can of worms um so no but there's there's a pushback against games journalists and I think because of that I mean, I I don't know. It's not like I've been doing this for a decade. I I can't tell you. But I feel like from what I've gathered, embargoes and indie, like it's just become more controlled by studios. Like there's more, um, they they want control over their message. It's almost become more PR-ish. And there's like that lack of trust with allowing journalists like the proper amount of time with things and and kind of deciding how they want to cover something. Um, And it's, it really sucks because like, it it hurts all aspects of the games industry. It hurts consumers who aren't getting like fair reviews or insightful reviews. And it, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a mess all around. Um, yeah. It really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking like listening to Callie and um, Yusuf talk, like it just, so much of this would be solved too if we like, if we did really get that time. Cause like, mm-hmm. I do think it's important to point out too, like when the whole like, games journalist crunch conversation was coming up dia was kind of pointing out like like you know our labor conversations and their labor conversations are maybe not the same in that like you know somebody crunching to like for 50 hours multiple like months out of a year or for multiple years to get a game out is probably not going to be the same as like what we experience doing reviews and so those conversations need to be different mm-hmm. um but, like, two, I just think so much of it would be changed with, like, I remember when I did The Last of Us 2 review for Bloody Disgusting, I was really lucky because, uh, one, I got the game super late, so I did end up still seeing the uh, embargo for it, which was bonkers, and kind of pointing off of what Callie had said, like, there was, there were content things in The Last of Us, and that was, like, an issue because a lot of people couldn't talk about Lev. Because he mm-hmm. came in after the point where you could talk about story stuff. Um, and that mm-hmm. was a whole fucking thing. And, like, 
I was really lucky because that was also right when my life was publicly uh, imploding with all of the Ginny shit. And (laughs) so I was like, huh, I don't really know if I can, like, write this very depressing zombie game review that I already got the code very late for. And I was lucky because my editor was like, hey, like, it's okay, you can take the time you need to do it. But that's also because, like, I was working for a small outlet that it didn't, like, like, Bloody Disgusting's game section is not huge. Like, that's not someone pulling in their clicks. So, like, the fact that I got my review out a few days late was not a big deal for them. But that's not going to be the case everywhere. And, like, that just sets the pace for everything so off kilter and makes it so, like, you can't take care of yourself and you can't do, like, the extra work that you need to do to make it, you know, quality. And that is a bummer. And I don't know if I actually added anything to the conversation, but I was just thinking about that a lot. I mean, it makes it actually makes me want to ask Kelly a question because I'm not that like I have my own sideline opinions, but like I know that for yeah for coming releasing you know reviews close to embargo is like the thing to do for clicks, for attention, um, and for um, yeah just for relevance. Like, and I know that. Like, it ha- like I, I was, um, a few years ago, like, I wrote a review for um, Beyond, no, not Beyond Two Souls, the other one, Detroit Becoming Human, <laughs> <laughs> all those stupid multiple names, anyway, um, for Vice, and, like, they basically didn't give Vice a, a code, or Waypoint, whatever, mm-hmm. they didn't give him a code, so I had to buy it, and I was able to l- luckily buy it, like, a day or two early, because there's, like, a, there's some embargo breaker stores in New York that you can just, like, show up at. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's good. Um, and, uh, but my, you know, I had to like be, you know, basically write it and re- re- release a review late. And like Austin Walker, who's the editor at the time, commented on that. That was like, yeah, like we saw the numbers go down. <laughs> like your review did not like enter the conversation at the same time as the other reviews, and therefore had less of an impact. Than it should have had necessarily, you know, necessarily. Um, <clears throat> so I guess, like, I mean, Kelly, I feel like you're on the front lines of this. Like, like, are you like how are like are you tracking this stuff? Can you talk about it? Like, how it like kind of in in, in how how it um, influences, I guess, your decision making in terms of like when like how long you can release st- or work on stuff and wait to release stuff if it's not done yet or if you need more time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean. Numbers are not my primary concern because for me, the reviews department like serves uh, a different purpose, you know, like uh, all websites are different. So I can only speak to my experience. I would say that like it's probably like common knowledge among people in the industry that like, yes, you you do see diminishing returns when you publish things late. And um, my philosophy is like for the reviews that I've assigned that. I assigned this because I thought it would be an interesting game to have criticism of or like I really wanted us to have an official you know opinion of that game on the website. I am much more flexible about the the due date because that wasn't a um numbers play that was a general like I just wanted to have criticism of that game. Um so I kind of have like two tiers in my mind. So I have those games that absolutely have to go up at embargo and um and then those games that are much more flexible and I think um at least with a lot of my freelancers like I I hope that they would say like that I'm flexible and understanding and uh pretty lenient with a lot of those deadlines. 
Um, because good things. <laughs> well, because I, you know, I know <laughs> that it's difficult. I know, like, I don't know. I have all sorts of motivation issues, like, and focus issues, and like, I just know that it's a lot. It's a big ask. Um, so yeah, with with the. I don't want to say they're like smaller priority games, but but I just have those two, um, those two like categories in my mind when I'm assigning. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate because obviously I think there's so much value to continued conversation around games, and I think this is the thing that really screws over reviewers um, because you you put out your like official here's my official review at embargo, and then the conversation kind of continues without you um, or about you and and you can choose whether or not you want to be involved in that conversation. Um, I just wish more people knew that like reviews aren't the be all end all. And like, there's definitely games where I've evolved my opinion of the game over time. And especially by reading other people's work. So like I, I wrote two reviews for the last of us part two. I wrote one without spoilers. And then I wrote a second one um, for the second embargo, because I felt that I wanted to explain myself further because I had to talk around everything that, meant something to me in that game and then of course like i read other things about the last of us and that shifted my perspective on the game and i gained new understanding and it's not that like my review was suddenly wrong and my review reflected how i felt at the time and like i didn't like significant i didn't like suddenly hate the game or anything but i learned a lot by reading other people um and so i wish we had that flexibility to to continue to have conversations and maybe you know submit follow-up pieces or features after the fact um to like continue that conversation over time so that the conversation doesn't die and leave those reviews um kind of blowing in the wind when somebody worked really hard on them and obviously we want them to be seen to be to be part of the you know whatever zeitgeist um but yeah i i do oh one thing i i almost forgot to say this but i do want to mention that i don't think that the time crunch we have on reviews is necessarily resulting in like reviews that are less insightful or like not fair to the game or, or whatever. I think sometimes that's probably the case, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's just more that it's unfair to the person doing it because you you really rush through a game to try to, to get your best work done. Um, and yeah, so to me, it's more of a labor issue than a quality of criticism issue. I'm sure more time would improve the quality of criticism or at least improve my confidence in my criticism but um yeah i just wanted to say that before i forget because it's not like i want to say like oh the reviews are just poor quality because we're all crunching um yeah we're just crunching oh i'm I'm really glad that on your body (laughs) (laughs) yeah no because like i feel like i feel like my example for this is always like i reviewed greedfall last year and that game was like, I had such a bad time with it that people like joked that it made me physically ill because I got very sick, like while mm. I was playing it. <laughs> um, it's not because I had just gotten back from PAX or anything. Um, <laughs> and like, I would have hated that game regardless. I think the game is not a good game. I think Spiders is a bad studio. But like, I know playing that game that I already was not having a good time with, like in uh probably like three or four day span because i was catching up on it since it came out while i was still at pax like it it made me hate the game more Mm -hmm. certainly (laughs) i i i feel i can confidently say that i still don't think it's good but i think i like was angrier at it 
Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's something but... I account for when I'm reviewing games sometimes. Is like, I really, <laughs> like, I have to take a step back and I actively try to do this, is I will take a step back and be like, okay, am I frustrated because it's five in the morning and I haven't eaten a real meal and the game is buggy? Or am I frustrated because there's an actual fundamental flaw with the design and I have to, like, really like step outside of myself for a second and like get away from the frustration because there are so many times I had this with Anthem which I thought had good ideas um but god every oh I was so frustrated playing Anthem and hmm. I like I maybe overcorrected in the the review phase because I was just like okay okay I got to slow down and be a little more be a little more objective cuz you know everybody wants objective reviews cuz that exists um hmm. But yeah, that's totally a thing. Like, I think it would be better for everyone, certainly, if we had more time. Like, that's my ultimate ask. Like, my Christmas wish is like, just please give us more time <laughs> with the damn games, please. Especially, yeah, especially because games are like longer and longer, and yeah. like, you know, yeah, which makes sense if somebody's buying one or two games a year. But mm -hmm. then, if then you should be given more time to to write about it. Well, and then too, with something like Cyberpunk, it, it's it's those things, and then compounded with the fact that like it's so buggy and like mm -hmm. everybody's been having different bugs like i posted on twitter like last week i just figured out that like it's not that i'm stupid and i can't read the cyberpunk font it's that i have like a bug that nobody else apparently has where <laughs> oh all God. of the like inventory screens and level up screens like are basically illegible Oh my god! What? Um, and I just thought, I just have you. Uh, you had the missing font bug. It's the. I'll, let me. I'll find the tweet. It's so I. I saw. Yeah, Ty, you should. You should post that in general so that they can see it because yeah, I because, saw that like, photo and I was like, holy shit! Well, because like, so I was talking to my editors. I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but I was talking to my editors in Slack and I was like, hey, um, BGW, can you guys read the font? And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, I. I can't read it. And they were like, oh, well, I guess it is pretty small. And I was like, no, like, like, I can't read it. And they were like, wait, the screenshots that you took, like, that you've had in your articles, that's what it looks like? And I was like, yes, that is what my game looks like. And they were like, oh, we thought it was just the CMS, like, fucking up your photos. That's horrible. <laughs> oh and I was like, I was like, wait, so you guys can read it? This is... <laughs> what so i played uh 20 hours of that game and i couldn't tell you what any of my upgrades are yeah i remember you were like i just saw that it was green so i put it on yeah that, yeah that's yeah. that's legit skill being able to play a game without a guide honestly yeah i need guides people oh, <laughs> also gosh. very valuable labor gosh that's that's something. Yeah, I forgot about your experience with all those glitches. You've had a lot. I've had I'm you know I'm not having a great time. Um <laughs> but it's fine. Okay, one thing I I do want to touch on while we're talking about this stuff too because it's something that I kind of grapple with when I am reviewing or even just like writing criticism of a game. Um, and that's how much do the practices and beliefs of the developer um, impact your review? That's, I don't know. It's just, it's something that I think about a lot. Like, I remember I I reviewed Immortals and, like, I have always been um, 
I don't know. I hate I hate using the word outspoken because it makes it's like a negative connotation when like that's it. It's just calling people out on bullshit. But I've always called Ubisoft out on <laughs> on bullshit when it's happened. And I remember I wrote this review and I didn't I don't think I mentioned anything about like the actual studio in it. And like one of the first comments I got on the tweet was just like, you're really going to talk about Ubisoft? <laughs> like, and, and I don't know, it was it was just like very aggressive. Um, and I don't know. So so how how do you all approach that? Um, It's tricky, right? Because like, obviously, as an in- individual person, I care very much. And like, I want to support good companies. And I want to, like, I care about labor rights and i'm like i care about all of that and but to the point that we made earlier about like being careful in your editing and um having that uh judgment maybe is the right word i don't know i you know i have to be careful with it because i i have to acknowledge that there's a lot of things that i don't know um mm-hmm. and so you know if i'm going to hold a certain developer to the fire over crunch the thing that i grapple with is am i hypocritical for not doing it for somebody else because it's not a prominent story or i don't know about it when i when i know that labor issues are rampant in lots of industries ours included um i mean for me the the issue comes down to how much do i actually know about this and acknowledging that like the the my understanding of things is is maybe not going to be completely accurate because having been on the other side of that where people talk about you know in the past talk about my employer um or criticize my employer and then get things wrong it has been very frustrated uh, frustrating and mm-hmm. i've been very open about my experiences at IGN but like a lot of people got a lot of things wrong and it didn't mm-hmm. feel helpful to me so like I think about it from that perspective as well. Like, how helpful am I being? How, what does this the purpose serve? And so something that I'm working on right now is figuring out a way, like, physically on the page to include, um, like, other coverage so that people reading reviews that maybe don't delve into something like crunch or sexual harassment issues or whatever it is a developer can get that information and that's in line in the review it's just actually like a technically difficult thing to do at the moment but um Mm -hmm. you know it's important to me the other thing is like um in my experience the social media department doesn't really speak for many people besides the social media department in some situations so like a bad tweet is not disqualifying to me even though i totally understand why it would be for other people because I understand that, like, that's not mm-hmm. representative of everyone. So I, I'm constantly evaluating this. I'm constantly grappling with it. I want to do right by individuals. I want to do right by the readers. Um, and I'm, you know, it's been a long road. And I'm still trying to find out the best way to do that, which is, I, you know, I haven't quite gotten there yet. And it's, um, I don't know, it's just, a, it's tricky. And And obviously, like, when you do it, you're also putting yourself in the line of fire or or you know if i'm assigning a review i'm putting that reviewer in the line of fire or i'm expecting them to do a bunch of reading or homework it, it, it's just a it's just tough i'm constantly rethinking my approach yeah i mean and that and i do like what you said about you don't want to hold some people accountable because it's public and then never address 
other studios and then because it just becomes a mess um mm-hmm. and then let's say you just aren't informed about something like something happened at some studio and and you missed that that update and then you know it looks like i i don't know you're playing favorites or or people accuse you of being uninformed or whatever exactly. because like you missed saying something about one person and you called out all these other people it's yeah it's kind of a mess and and obviously like i think that investigative reports are super important um i think that like features delving into for example like you brought up ubisoft i think like ubisoft's history with female characters and putting them to the side like off to the side um mm-hmm. when like you know in something like odyssey like i don't know if you guys have gotten very far in odyssey but like the way it was handled in that game is like straight up like laugh out loud ridiculous to me um the way it was described to me so i i think like that's like an excellent feature i think there's a lot to dive into there um and for me like i don't think it's entirely on reviews sh- shoulders because there are inherent limitations um and part of that is like you said um you have to kind of stay constantly informed if you want to do it justice like for me mm-hmm. i would rather target like an overall like let's talk about labor issues in games writing like that's the battle that i really want to fight um and so I don't want to be reactionary about things, but I also don't want to ignore them. It's just, I, I'm stressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, because I think the other part of this conversation that's hard, right, especially about crunch, is like, I don't know, for me personally, I'm like, if I'm covering a video, like a triple A game, in my mind personally, I'm just assuming people crunched to make it. Like, mm-hmm. that is just, that is what they have shown their business model to be. So, like, past a certain point, if you're reading, like, us reviewing, like, an uh, an uppercut, like, a big game, like, we just kind of assume that it was crunched. Like, that's just kind of how it is. And, like, that's probably, like, maybe not, I don't know, like, it's hard to handle it, right? Because then it's like, oh, well, isn't that, like, ditching the responsibility? And it's like, well, I don't know how you take responsibility for something that, like, it's truly just an industry-wide business practice. And like, yeah, like, also, do I take responsibility for capitalism? Like, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, too. Then it comes down to like, oh, like people talk shit about the reviews that are like, oh, here's a line about crunch, and then they goes on to talk about how much they enjoyed it, and it's like, I, I get why that's frustrating. I do, but at the same time, like, it's a real experience to understand that someone was some or not someone something was made under like really fucked up conditions, and like still enjoy parts of it you know and like i think that's something that like the video game scene has to deal with a lot because there's a lot of bad shit and so like it's i don't know i guess it's unfair to me when people levy that criticism at reviews when it's like that's i mean that's an experience that's that's real we're all dealing with that all the time of like trying to figure out you know our problematic faves and what line is too far and all of that. And like, I I think it would be disingenuous to take that out. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Cause, cause that, I mean, then you're getting into, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism territory where like, you could just extrapolate that and talk about all sorts of things. Um, And that's not to say that like, I mean, I think generally we would all probably agree that we want to change how that works overall in the world. Um, but and so it's like I don't want to ignore it. But yeah, I I do think like you can acknowledge the problematic aspects of something from the content therein to how it was made, and still 
parse the parts you enjoyed. And I think Carolyn Pettit, who I have the utmost respect for, um, I think she's an incredible writer and critic. Um, she tweeted about about that that exact idea of like there's value in identifying the parts that you enjoy and even trying to pick apart why you enjoyed them um in spite of maybe something that is otherwise damning and i think that was a big part of the conversation with um trans and like gender nonconforming um the the way that that community is handled in cyberpunk is very poor and i think is uh yep i think you would probably universally I, I don't know if anybody who doesn't think that, like, you know, I haven't seen anybody say, like, actually, I thought it was really well done, you know? Um, but, you know, I, I think there's still merit to, like, especially, you know, Carolyn did it so well in her review for Polygon, talking about the things that, that were valuable to her, even with all of that um, messiness to, to, to sift through. Um, and I think that's, like, that makes for more interesting criticism. I don't think there's too much value in just saying... Uh, the game was made under dubious conditions and that's the end of the story. I, th I think it's more interesting and more valuable to everyone to to really delve into it as deep as you can with, with what you have. Well, and especially because I think there's something to be said for like acknowledging like, yeah, this thing was made under really horrible conditions and there's a lot of shit I like about it. But like, so now we need to have the conversation of is that worth it? Like, what right. are we willing, you know, and you don't have that conversation if you don't know that like that stuff is there right like right um yeah just i think for me um there yeah i think with in terms of writing about games like you're always like you're never gonna get the perfect you know thing to uh write about and you're always going to have to look for the good in in a, probably a lot of flaw and a lot of um a lot of like things that might not be ideal and I think that there are, yeah, I don't think a review necessarily has to like spend all its time on, you know, on, on crunch, but I, I think there are also, uh, there are ways, you know, to talk about it and, and incorporate it into your, your understanding of the game. Um, I think with like, to, to go back to my Detroit review, like that was kind of a unique opportunity to actually talk about company culture because that game came out right around the time it was coming out there were like all those french articles that were actually talking about the studio's awful sexual harassment culture and um different employees getting um kind of exposed to like terrible imagery and just like the way the um the way the studio leadership was handling things uh and there was all sorts of back and forth where they were getting like then the media was getting sued and um there yeah. was a lot of back and forth uh, which definitely would i mean it definitely like made a lot of other like a lot of sites take pause where like we don't necessarily want to talk about this because we don't also want to get sued mm -hmm. um but luckily um austin and, and waypoint were cool like with me diving into it and i was able to at the same time as the writing review but the game also really dig into what does it mean to make a game about labor which is like what detroit become human is about like you know robots and labor and um and diversity and 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 you know civil rights at the same time as having the studio culture that is antithetical to that um and i thought that was like and a really also great when example your studio yeah. head says i'm friends with a black man and a queer lady <laughs> hey he's so he's so woke 
Um, yeah, it's no, I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's a really good point because at a certain point, like the context surrounding the game becomes a part of it. I mean, that's what we're seeing with cyberpunk, like cyberpunk's mm-hmm. whole message is like, yeah, I, like I really just yeah, I want to so sit down with all the people who told me over and <laughs> over again that all the transphobic shit coming out didn't mean that the game was going to be transphobic. And then when I opened that character creator, it was immediately, are you a man because of your voice or a woman because of your voice? There is no (laughs) in-between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, and just even, like, the... (laughs) Like, like finding out about, like, the labor practices and just kind of them completely compromising their... I mean, because CD Projekt Red was so adamant about, like, no, we do not crunch. Like, we are a good studio. We we do not do this. And then, what was it? Like, back in September, they were like, just kidding, we're gonna crunch. (laughs) They were like, we're gonna... Well, and then, too, this was all, like, the glass door shit happened last year, too. Mm -hmm. Like, people have been ratting on that culture for, like, years now, and people were just like, no... I also love um, their, like, banter with uh, Elon Musk, like, Ugh. two months before the game came out. I need to go, was... actually. Remembering that oh. actually truly just did too much psychic damage to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I don't know. I totally agree, No, though. I was just saying, just the hypocrisy around that, like, yeah. it bleeds into the conversation about the game. Yeah, mm. I totally agree with, with yeah. Yusuf. Like, you can... You, I think it's a really interesting opportunity and like a good opportunity for a reviewer and like that's the thing i wish i had more time for you know like i think i was able to evaluate the game like the game itself uh i surprised myself i don't think i'm perfect by any means but i was like oh this doesn't make me want to die so that's good uh because most of the things i write make me want to die but um it's a plus but you know (laughs) having the time to to really take a a deep dive into things and and, you know whether that's in the review or in a follow-up piece or you know whatever it is like i think um that's that's something that i would love to try to do i i feel very like i feel too dumb for that a lot of the time i'm like i'm not smart enough to to say anything interesting but um like yeah I, i definitely ran into that same issue with that you were describing with detroit become human where like cyberpunk is like ostensibly about a corporate dominated world but like never <laughs> criticizes that at all and never really acknowledges mm-hmm. it outside of a couple things in in all of the uh like they're not codex interest i forget what they're called all the text oh, logs that shard you, thingies yeah the shards that mm. you can't read because the font doesn't work for you but um, <laughs> oh i i can read those i oh. can only not read the item screen and the all of the leveling up. So I have no idea what any of my perks do. <laughs> well, but you know, got the background that's lore great. Good. Yeah, I um, got a good sword though, so I'm really doing great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we saw reports coming out about developers at CD Projekt Red asking that same question that I was wondering: is like, how do you marry the the reports we're seeing about the the corporate culture and the labor conditions at CD Projekt Red with the overall themes of of what cyberpunk i guess is purporting to be maybe it's not successfully being that um and so it's like that's another thing is like there are i'm sure there are people at any particular company that feel the same way we do so like for me Mm -hmm. i think talking to people and doing actual reporting on that and giving their like rather than trying to speak for individuals like I, I i'm always very cautious like i don't want to speak over people or for people um 
And so like that's the value I find in in the the reporting side I think is is a great way to like actually give a like give people the megaphone or whatever. Um but yeah, I mean the, the biggest problem I run into really is time. Like it really is just like mm-hmm. and like at that point this Cyberpunk was the longest review I've ever written by over 2000 words. <laughs> so I was like, oh, it's getting it's getting a little long. I should probably <laughs> wrap this shit up. It's midnight, and my boss is like sitting here, like, uh, hey, when are you gonna file? And I'm like, oh, you know, like, uh, <laughs> well, it's six p.m. I was aiming to be done by six p.m., but it's looking more like uh one a.m. Sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> and like. So I'm also, like, I was cognizant when I was writing of, like, oh, I could probably say more, but, like, I have people who are staying up late <laughs> to look at this before I publish it. It would just mm-hmm. be nice for everyone, I think, in to have more time to think. Um, I don't know. I could go on about that forever, but... Um... Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, totally, I totally get that, because I respect reviewers like you who can who can put this stuff out. I don't think I could, honestly. I don't think I could, could do it consistently. Like, I, I, I like having time and, and taking advantage of it. And I think it, like, helps me write better for myself. Like, I, I just don't have that muscle, like, trained to, like, be able to do this. Um, I'm also old. I'm probably older than a lot of reviewers. Um, and that definitely happens. As you get older, you don't get as... You can't stay up as late. Um, but I was just going to say, like, it makes me think, like, this whole conversation about time, it's like, there is this thing where it's like, because reviews, especially for the big temple games, are expected to be instantaneously released, and also, like, the kind of, like, the final word, almost, like you were saying, where kind of reviewers get left behind by the conversation, and there is something where there's too much pressure put on the first review that drops yes. right at when embargo opens, like, that is, like, seen as, like, okay, you're making a judgment call, no, a quote-unquote 10 million quotes objective judgment call on this game. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, there should be like an ongoing conversation because that's also like the reality we live in now. Like games when they're released day one are not final. And, and also like no word should be final like, or no like voice should be final. You can, you can write, um, like your sentiments on something might change over time. And also playing a game, putting it down, uh, thinking about it for a week and coming back to it, you're just going to have a totally different like um, point of view, potentially. Might have the same thing, but I've, I've found that like when I'm able to like um, absorb and and just like spend time, like just, you know, my best thoughts happen when I'm showering or when I'm like going on a jog or something. Like when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm not like, I just finished it five minutes ago. I need to like right now. Like I, I'm actually really bad at that where like I'm like kind of, I need actually just to time to digest and not saying that's like true for anybody but for everybody but i think oh, that yeah i think that's like there's opportunity there to like to change i think how reviews are perceived by by an audience where like kind mm-hmm. of they're expected to be perfect mm-hmm. they're expected to be you know like fair and objective and even-handed but at the same time like you're you're kind of you know generally operating with a lot of times with like um and not ideal conditions which is like of course going to be part of like any job but i think if there was a way to like to make it more understood that that when a game comes out like also that helps games because i feel like there's so many games or people will spend years of their life working on a game 
and then you talk about it for two weeks, and then you never hear about it again. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'm sure the developers probably are like, that's it? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, I want this to be a thing. Like, and there are games that maybe deserve that and don't get it because of the way the news cycle works and because of the way attention um, economy works. And I think, like, if, like, it would be kind of cool to see that um, examined as, like, a way, as a kind of a, as, like, a general idea. Like, I, who knows how it would actually happen. But it's just, like, kind of thoughts that, that, that came to me, think, like, listening to some of this. Yeah, and you I mean, you get you get retrospectives at some outlets and stuff mm-hmm. that are always kind of interesting, like, you know, looking at this five years later. Um, but you don't, like, it's not an active conversation, it feels like. It's more, it's it's after the fact, you know? And, like, one of the things that comes to mind you know thinking about this and talking about this is like god of war like when god of war came out uh, i feel like it, it was like what like not it was like straight up nines and tens like from everyone <laughs> um and then within like a couple months i feel like a lot of opinions like really changed yeah um, well that was and, like it was kind of like i know sorry jess i know i'm interrupting you a little bit but like no, no patrick had Good. patrick klepik kind of said the same thing that Callie said, like, in terms of, like, reading other people's work and stuff, because, like, specifically with mm-hmm. God of War, that was when Orbital was still around, and that was, like, one of their, I think that was their very first package, was the God of War one, and, like, Patrick talked about, you know, there's such a difference between, like, you sitting down with this game and having this experience with this game and seeing it from your perspective and, like, you know, writing all of that out and working that out, and then reading other people's perspectives on it because, you know, obviously, like, that particular package, like, Dia, M, and Jackson were all very negative on that game for very good reasons that were clearly articulated in those pieces, and, like, after reading that, he was like, okay, yeah, like, my feeling on this is very different now, or at least somewhat different, like, my feeling on the game has evolved, and, like, I can realize, you know, my position as a dad made me relate differently to, like, this game than, like, a woman would, for example. Mm -hmm. Or whatever. I'm like... Yeah. Oh, my God. I had a big conversation <laughs> with the, the guys at work about how women are portrayed in God of War. And I feel like I probably... You mean how they're not feelings. there? How they don't <laughs> exist? Well, oh, there's yeah. one woman and she's bad because she's, like, Emotional. a clingy mom, I guess? I... Yeah. The other one is dead? <laughs> I, hate that. I hate that game so much. We can't See, do this. I liked I liked God of War. That's the thing is I liked it, but I didn't love it because I was like, I think like I, I had to have a conversation where I was like, I totally see where all of you guys are coming from. But I like, let's see where I'm coming from now for a second, because like, I, I think I literally said, I think in a game of the year meeting or something, I said um, everything that God of War does for fathers, it does the opposite for mothers. And like mm-hmm. after that, everybody was like, well moving on <laughs> i was just like sorry guys but um oh my god but, but like that's speaking of having an ongoing conversation though shout out to bioshock 2 which is the mom game of the century uh <laughs> and, and which i played this year and had conversations about this nice. year um was- i like it i like that game it's the only yeah. good bioshock <laughs> that's the thing though is like does the new perspective because i mean i don't know petra klepik personally but like like I don't think I would I don't know I maybe I should just speak for myself this is probably easier I don't have a good example like I do with God of War but like I don't think that getting a new perspective necessarily changes the fact of your experience and how you express your experience in your review I think it's just that like we all need to recognize that like that's that's the 
the beauty of having multiple outlets with multiple reviews is you can get multiple perspectives on that embargo day. And that's the point. And like no one review is ever meant to be that perfect holy grail, all knowing, all seeing thing that so many people seem to think it needs to be. And that's another thing. I guess my my Christmas wish is twofold. More time with games and people for not for people to not think that reviews have to be like have to meet this objective consensus. Uh, because the whole point is to get different perspectives. Like that's what makes for a good mm -hmm. overall body of criticism. And so like I wouldn't say like I would never say to Patrick Klepek, like, oh, now your review of God of War is like invalidated by your changing perspective. I think that it's it's really cool that he was able to share like his perspective as a father and then other people were able to share that and we can all shift our appreciation of or lack thereof of a game um accordingly like i i i think that's interesting i think that like all of this is like it's not immutable you know um and i've had plenty of conversations with reviewers that were like yeah if i could go back i'd probably give that a lower score or Oh man, I loved that game more and more the more I thought about it. Like me with Stardew Valley, I should have given Stardew Valley a ten, motherfucker. But like I didn't, and, and I I don't know why, but I regret it every damn day. But um, yeah, I mean I'm going on, well, but like it's no, important I'm, to think about. Yeah, that's the thing. I, can we? Sorry, Jess, did you have a segue? Because I kind of had a segue, but I don't want to. I did have notes. a segue, but maybe we're thinking about the same thing. He's <laughs> um, review stars. It kind of, well, review scores and just, like, the notion of, like, you, I feel like a lot of times, like, for myself personally, like, even when I'm, like, really into a game, I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to, like, there seems like there's almost, like, a weakness in giving higher scores, <laughs> like, because you feel like people are going to perceive you a certain way or, like, if you go too low, like, I feel like there's that, like, pressure in your your head about, like, how you review, and I don't know, maybe I'm just, like, Maybe I'm just insecure. I know I'm insecure. But You're maybe also a that's big what it people is. People pleaser, BB. I am. I am like the biggest, and I think that's why I I like get stressed about reviews so much is because I am a people pleaser. Like I want everybody to be happy and like me. <laughs> so I'm like I'm, I try to be as nice as possible, which is just um, the, just the worst field you could be in. Truly. I I know. I know. Um, but, but also kind of the best because it means it's fair. You know. Yeah. That's, no. That's not nothing. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm not, like, ratting myself out and being, like, yeah, no, I, uh... <laughs> Jess has no brain cells, no critical thoughts. <laughs> but, but, like, I, for me, like, I, I really try to sit down and, like, force myself to, like, I don't know, just evaluate, like, how strongly I feel about things. And I don't know, it, it, it takes me a lot longer to write shit because I have to think about it so much. So I guess, yeah, so Ty, it was kind of your thing about review scores and then just kind of about, like, reading other people's stuff and comparing and, and like, worrying about how you come across, worrying about being too harsh or too nice or, you know, I, I don't even know what the question is really at the end of that, but that's just the <laughs> thought. <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, it's hard, too, and I think that's kind of twofold. Like, I feel like it kind of ties into scores, right, just because, like, it's yeah. how are you perceived. I also have a weird relationship with scores because I did not have to start giving review scores until this year. Because, um, mm. like, at Uppercut, we don't do it, and, like, gaming, which was the other outlet that I was doing reviews for, doesn't do it, and Fanbyte doesn't do it, um, but Bloody Disgusting does. And poor Neil, every time I would do a review for him, he'd be like, what was the score? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he was like, I was like, what do you think? Wait, based on that review, what would you say? And he was like, oh, okay, I'll just assign the number for you. Because, um, yeah, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't, 
my brain i'm gay i don't do numbers um <laughs> and like I, I i get it to a degree like i definitely just the other day described cyberpunk as like a solid 6.5 like i get what that means and like the like the quote-unquote like ign scale or whatever but i just like it's so hard to get all the nuances of like a feeling into a number and then to tie so much weight about the entirety of the game to the number is just really hard for me. And like kind of going back to what Callie said about like regretting a score you gave. I remember somebody read my Last of Us review and they were like, I got to the bottom and I thought it was going to be like a two and then it was a 3.5 and I was really confused. And I was like, bro, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> out of five or ten. I, it, no, three point five out of five. Okay. No, that would be wild. I would <laughs> be. I would have been. Can you imagine? I would have been doxed into the fucking sun. <laughs> I was already. actually. I. I don't know. There were a lot of incels who'd probably like that opinion. Yeah. There were so no because people can't fucking read. I got so many people in my mentions being like, "Why did you have a problem with the violence?" I didn't. I just said it was there. I said if you don't I like seeing dogs die, you probably shouldn't play this game. Like I a reviewer, a ton of shit yeah. about not liking the violence, and I was like, I just evaluated it. I didn't say that I don't like violence. I, I don't even think I evaluated. It. I think I literally was just like, hey, it's pretty fucking gnarly. Like, <laughs> if you're not into that, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> it's important information to know. Well, yeah, especially because it's so much gorier than the first one. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, like people need to realize this is like. A nasty fucking game. Also, like, you're gonna murder several dogs. Also, in my opinion, it's fine to be like, I don't like violence. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, like, kind of right about that. I think that's fine, too. I just don't like being willfully misinterpreted. That Same. It, absolutely. Yeah, and, like, as a woman in this field, I would never, ever say that publicly because I, mm-hmm. like, you would never recover from being, like, I don't like violent games. Like, you would just never recover from that. Which is, like, I have a lot of complicated thoughts about violence, but I play plenty of violent games and I, I like, so yeah, it's frustrating to be like, you're a stupid woman who doesn't understand just the male testosterone of killing a dog. Yeah, especially because it's like, bro, my favorite video game is Bayonetta. I love violence. <laughs> I think every game should be violence. I want the cakes. I want the cakes and baking shows to fight. (laughs) You actually, you would fucking love that game. Like, I'm thinking about a dream game for you, and it does involve, like, violence, bakery, and dinosaurs. Like, that's gotta be it. It would be a good game. Sounds good. Um, Yeah, no, I don't, like, and that that sucks, too, because I feel like you are always going to be criticized for it. Like, you can't talk, especially as, like, a woman about any depiction of, like, sex or violence without people immediately jumping down your throat about it and saying, you know, oh, you don't get it. Yeah. Which is so immature and, like, so limiting of, like, what actual criticism can be. Well, especially, too, because, like, how many nerds in my fucking mentions do you think have actually fought anybody? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure I've committed more real-world violence than any of these people. (laughs) Like, fuck off! (laughs) Damn, what did you do? <laughs> I used to fight a lot as a kid. It doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god. We're finding out that Ty is actually a greaser. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's all these fucking computer nerds. You're, you're a tunnel rat? You're a tunnel rat from Fallout 3? <laughs> tunnel snakes rule! <laughs> tunnel snakes, I'm sorry. 
That's so good. God. <laughs> oh. I don't know what what was like what was the crux of this? I don't even um, know. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess just to weigh in briefly, I actually don't. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't. I've never had to give a score, so I'm like mm. woefully unprepared to talk about this subject. I it's think hard. Hopefully, yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I'll say, I will say most sites should just not have scores. Hopefully, in the future, that will be the case because I think it is. Yeah, it, it, it lends to itself to that idea that like you're being you're a computer that is rating game that it, you know like perfect or like like a judgment of this versus your opinion. It is an opinion, people. So like when I like give my opinion, like I would not be like. I like the Democrats, eight out of ten. Like I would, like you know, you don't talk about like, <laughs> things that you like. That is a generous score. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say, damn, yeah. Yusuf, you've gone very soft. <laughs> damn, you're uh, right. <laughs> I'm a sellout. No, I'm, a, I'm a clown. I'm a Democrat clown. <laughs> <laughs> what what NDA did you say? <laughs> I know you're in Joe Biden's pocket. <laughs> um, but no, like I in a dream world for me. Like, I would love to see on different sites, like, multiple people reviewing the same game. Um, yeah, and, and conversational reviews, I think, would be very cool. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would honestly, you know what, Uppercut 20, well, I had to think about what next year was, holy shit, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, because, like, I feel like we always take it to like you know i don't know podcast or video or something like that when we do a discussion about a game where multiple people have played it and there's different perspectives but it'd be really cool to see written pieces that are like hey two to three people with with different you know i don't know everybody has different backgrounds and experiences but like two to three people who who've played this and who came away with like really different things or maybe came away with a lot of overlap whatever um just talking about it and it being more evaluative in that way like I mean, that would be we super interesting to, me. to do that for letters to a degree yeah but yeah also the only problem with that is then everybody has to play it yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true yeah. and like there's that like it's the manpower like there too right because mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of outlets don't have the you know i don't know there's there's no way to be like yeah all three of you take you know I was going to say a week, but realistically, take three days. Because, I mean, honestly, the fact that, like, more than one of us at Uppercut played Cyberpunk is truly astonishing. I did not think that was going to (laughs) happen. Well, especially because I feel like all of us, like, two months before it came out, like, leaned back in our chairs and were like, book that. Yeah, but then we got offered (laughs) money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you know, I I, I was not going to play this game and tear it apart for just you know funsies or for uppercut or whatever because I, I didn't feel like giving it a platform I, we none of us felt like giving it a platform on uppercut but you know I'm, if I can talk about it plainly somewhere else and get paid for it sure why not there's also like so many games in the work like out right that I would I'd rather people just like cover indie games that I haven't heard about mm-hmm. because that, that's the other thing like you know for bullet points for example we're gonna have two months of cyberpunk coverage (laughs) because like just because like a lot of people want to write about it which is fair and like we kind of i think it it'll be good to get like we're gonna get a lot of like really cool like and new and marginalized and like interesting voices talking about it but it's also like there's a there's a gravity to giant games um like the idea like the news that came out today that like cyberpunk just like made all its money back even despite being like the worst launch of any triple a game ever um because of pre-orders and Mm -hmm. 
it's like that gravity is real that that feeling of like you know no matter what you do or say is going to be successful because the all the attention is is kind of drawn to it and i think like yeah if, i mean not <clears throat> not to like totally like crap on your idea <laughs> about having multiple <laughs> people review it but there, i do like yeah i do find some sometimes it's like it's kind of impressive like it's impressive how varied this field is and so like i and mm. and it is like it's hard and it's hard to get people to pay attention to smaller stuff like it's just always going to be a, a thing like that like people are not like you know if they haven't heard of the game they're probably not going necessarily going to like <clears throat> sorry follow your well, you like thread to it you know yeah you can't seek out something if you don't know it exists you know and like yeah. i mean i was even looking at upcoming games for next year because somebody mm-hmm. asked me they're like oh what, what are you excited for next year and i was like god i i have no my, idea what's my brain coming is, out next my brain year. is fried i don't know so i i like typed in on google like 2021 game releases and i was like scrolling through and then i started thinking about all these games and i'm like oh this one's not on this list this one's not on this list this one you know and like i i kept thinking of all these indies and i'm like i was super excited for all of those and no one even has them on a calendar <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um and and it's a bummer, and that's why it is important to talk about those games. Yeah, it's it's hard when, you know, you have to balance the the page view part with the the mm. I have a personal vested interest in well not vested but <laughs> that would be bad. Uh, it, like I have an uh, an interest in this, and I have a desire to um like bring attention to this kind of game, and like having been in the industry for quite a few years now i guess oh my god um it it has always been a struggle to get people to click on indie game stuff and like a Mm. lot of effort goes into like how do we give this a headline that like does this justice and makes people want to look and like shines a light on on these games and so you know the best that i can do oftentimes is just get a review of that game and like if it was really good then hopefully like you know that really good score will will bring some attention to it so like to bring it back to scores really quickly like i do think there is utility in scores um full disclosure GameSpot um is a sister site of metacritic um but like like i think there's a there's a lot of bad to scores as well and part of that is just reviewers getting harassed um for scores that you know and people didn't even read the damn thing um but i do think that there is some utility to them and you know I don't know how you shift the public perception, but um, I think like at least for mm-hmm. for a smaller game that's not going to get clicked on because of the name, I would hope that like if we gave a cool indie game a nine out of ten, then somebody is going to click on that and be like, "Wow, what is this about?" Um, that's my hope, at least. I you know I don't know why people. I can only see the the actual raw numbers. I don't always know why people click on things, um, but. Th- it's 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 hard Uh, assigning scores at GameSpot is such a like well how do you feel kind of thing um that we do uh, we do peer editing at GameSpot and part of the reason I like to do that for reviews is so that everybody gets a good sense of the scale that we have and like what reads like a seven versus what reads like a five and it's like very very subjective um, but with like cyberpunk, for example, I had the three people who were reading it. I was like, 
what does it read like to you? I don't know. It's midnight and everybody said seven. And I was like, I guess. And then I had people commenting and being like, I read your review and I thought the score was a little bit high. And I'm like, well, you know, math is hard. <laughs> Listen, I, I <laughs> too, math. I too have um, brain worms and cannot do math. And um, so, you know, it, sometimes you just, you're like, wow, I feel the seven in my heart. And then the, <laughs> that's just how it is. I would say if you think a score is weird, just read read the review and use the words if you, if you don't like the number. I don't know. Yeah, but, maybe just ask in your heart how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, seriously, that is how I score games. I, I mean, I take into account how I, mean, I score games. I mean, that's literally what I do. Like, that's literally what I was doing to Neil at Bloody Disgusting. I would be like, you read it and you tell me how you feel and then we'll pick a number <laughs> from there. <laughs> that is, like, I, I ask freelancers to suggest a score simply because, like, I've had in the past, like, I've read a review that seemed like they didn't like the game very much and the score at the bottom is like eight and so then i'm like wait wait wait, did you really like this game like if you really liked it let's go back and like evaluate some of this stuff that you've written or i go like hey did you score this before you started writing because these don't line up and so like there are situations where like it actually helps refine the writing process because someone will be like yeah i think it I I played the game and I feel like it's an eight, and then I read the review and I'm like, mm, I do not feel like this reads like an eight. Um, and so mm -hmm. it guides the editing process too. So that's one of the handy things about it for me. Um, is sometimes it just leads me to ask questions that maybe I wouldn't have asked, like, um, like oh, it seems like like uh, sometimes I have people who come to me who like slack me and they're like, I have no idea what score to give this. I don't know if it's a six or a seven, and I'm like, well. If a friend asked you, I always do this and I'm so annoying. I'm like, if a friend asked you if the game was good or just okay, what would you say? And then they're like, just okay. And I'm like, six it is. And like, it's just like, it's just me like throwing spaghetti at a wall. And like, I'm, I'm definitely, obviously we, we try very hard and we put a lot of work into this. I don't want to undersell it, but, um, it, you know, review scores are, it's not like, you do a whole a whole lot of math actually and that's what people don't seem to understand still after all the, the years of review score controversies um personally i'm very glad ign moved away from the 100 point scale because trying to score a game on that scale was absolutely nightmarish <laughs> it would be like like it would just be like uh i guess it's an 8.3 i don't know like it just didn't it was that was like the craziest scale possible because the 0.3 versus 0.4 didn't make any damn sense um so it could be worse i guess yeah paste use uh in a hundred point scale too and i was like do I... wait does paste give scores yeah paste gives scores and it's in a hundred point scale and i was like i am just gonna stick to zeros at the end because i i'm not i'm not touching them. <laughs> i have read so many paste reviews and never once noticed a score <laughs> they don't they don't put much emphasis on it and like sometimes like there was one time that i wrote something and i thought it was going to be a feature and then i was told to give it a score and i was like i i didn't think this was a full-blown review i don't think i like fully reviewed it and they're like oh it's this kind of a review i was like okay sure and then there was another time that I the opposite happened I thought I was like reviewing something and, and they didn't put a score on it so I don't know um and maybe that that helped kind of uh or not helped but 
solidifies reviews scores as a little bit more arbitrary in my mind because they felt kind of arbitrary um but no i mean callie you make a lot of really great points with all of that as far as just like highlighting really good games that would be overlooked with like having a decent score and i don't know there's there's definitely an ease of access it can cause um backlash and people being misinformed and and not reading and not understanding nuance (laughs) but at the same time there is value there too yeah and like my dream would totally be to have like a multiple perspectives kind of thing and i think gaming magazines used to do like multiple takes and i think GameSpot actually like way back in the day had that because it's actually still in our cms um the option to have mm. i think it's a, it's called other take but i haven't ever used it because it, we don't we don't do that um but yeah like it really is a manpower thing and like i would totally there's a lot of situations where i would rather have that second person on a different game um and and kind of um maybe highlighting something smaller while somebody else is working on that AAA thing. So like, I don't think any solution is going to be perfect. And I do the exact same thing you do, Mm -hmm. Jess, where I'm like, everything I have to do has to be acceptable to everyone and everyone must love me. And (laughs) nobody, not, not everybody likes me. So I'm failing at life and I should go away. Like, that's just how my brain works. Um, I feel that. I feel it. (laughs) And so like, I struggle. I, I think about this constantly. I'm like always overthinking this. Um, because I want to find like that perfect solution and like I like realistically obviously we're never going to find that um and I I do think that's the value in having like some sites that don't do scores and some that do and some sites that focus on maybe you know there's sites that do more technical focused reviews and sites that that care more about story I always get accused of reviewing games like they're movies and I'm like well it's not my fault the story was really prominent and shit um so yeah I, that's baffling because games have progressively gotten more cinematic and people like that shit so Isn't like that why like would the you main not fucking selling point of so many games is that they're cinematic yeah it's like <laughs> it's it's the whole like we need to prove over and over again that games are art because didn't they, they like extra crunch and... the red dead devs to get those black bars on the cutscenes? Oh, no, i forgot about that like wasn't that, that like specifically a thing that happened that is so bananas like <laughs> yeah that's that's wild oh hey video games are bad <laughs> Actually. I just feel like gamers constantly want it two different ways and mm. then don't recognize anything in the middle. <laughs> and it's so frustrating. I mean, I think, too, something, I don't know if it's on the menu to t- talk about, but there is that element, too, where, you know, a lot of the just, you know, last, I guess, decade, but probably more of the last few years, like, a lot of the conversation around games is also driven by streamers and influencers and people on YouTube mm-hmm. who are, like, talking you know getting sometimes getting very early copies of the game and um you know allowed to talk about it and basically be a mouthpiece for the games uh for the game for the pr for the they're not necessarily being expected to critique the game they're expected to play it and get their give their first impressions but um there's no editorial oversight it's kind of just like a very different um style of coverage which has its value like i, I there are some really great influencers and streamers like that i follow and that are um, very informative like if, you know same thing with the reviewers like you find somebody that has a really has really good opinions and a really good um, understanding of stuff you follow them they have great they have um, a take that you can really like uh, gel with but mm-hmm. I think a lot of the audience then um, kind of asks like why aren't 
written reviews like this? Why isn't games criticism like this? Like, but it's it's a totally different beast. Like, it's very much yeah, the fucking not well, the same. And Callie kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in a way talking about the difference between like investigative journalism versus reviews versus criticism. Um, and I feel like that's just something that almost needs to be defined or I guess maybe understood a little bit more um, is that there are all like games media is not just one thing. You're not just a writer who does everything. There are so many different facets of that. Um, and it's weird because I feel like, <laughs> You know, obviously games is, is a rapidly developing industry and all things considered relatively newer, but not really. I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. Um, it's younger but, than movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just I feel like there needs to be more of an understanding about, you know, influencers versus um, PR versus investigative journalism versus reviews versus criticism because they're just they're so different they're so incredibly different and you're going to get different things out of each type of those well i mean facets, the thing the thing with this though is that like gamergate just completely fucked the conversation around this mm. right mm-hmm. like yeah yeah like i put out that tweet a couple weeks ago that was like like the the influencers getting all this cyberpunk shit and being covered in cyberpunk yellow and then being astonished when people are like, hmm, I don't know that you're, like, gonna be the most reliable source on this. Like, that tweet, one, like, just showed how much that attitude is still just seeped into the very core of, like, the online gaming community because all of these people are like, the number of times I read... Game journalists can't play games. They're bad at games. Therefore, why wouldn't you trust streamers more? The, like, just, like, those people fucking hate us. And, like, it's because of, like, that, the leftovers of what happened with Gamergate have just seeped into the conversation where somehow we do not have any credibility and are the ones who are paid off, despite streamers actually like an influencer specifically being the ones who are actually you know like doing paid marketing campaigns and stuff and it's like we just like we just can't have the conversation right because then it comes down to oh well game journalists can't play games game journalists aren't trustworthy you're just bitching because you didn't get it for free like and it's just it's just like a fucking yeah, wash it becomes like this thing of like game journalists are hateful. Like, well, you just don't like fun. You just don't like actually playing games. You just like the reason why you don't have this relationship with the developers is is because you're like this and you're jealous. Like, it, it becomes like this really toxic. I don't know, just a shitty, shitty opinion of games journalists. But yeah, no, I think it's very much a a question of of um expectation and audience and mm-hmm. really for me for me like the, and what guides me is really just like knowing that there are people who like what i write <laughs> and that is like really like um i think the the, the beneficial aspect of it where it's like you know there, yeah there's going to be people who i don't want to i don't want to see what they have to say <laughs> or don't want to write, read any about what they have to say and they might be very loud and there might be a few of them that are very loud um, and I'm also luck- lucky as like a cis het man. Like I don't have to like deal with as much as harassment as others, uh, for sure. And I think that um, that influences my take on it. But I think also um, 
focusing on like knowing that like I can write or like as a freelancer especially like I, I have the freedom to write pretty much whatever I want to write uh, about a game and, and 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 be a bit more um and kind of tailor it to my style and to my approach and how I how where I'm coming from with the game versus needing to um to feel like I'm sh like sharing the stage with the streamer or somebody who's covering the game more as an exper experiential thing. Like I know that like there's power and, and influence in the written word that doesn't exist in video, and it's like about finding that, um, finding that, that angle, finding that like uh, that value in 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 long form writing, basically. Like it, there, it, it is there, and people still want to read long form. Like Wired started a gaming's vertical this year, even though they had a gaming's vertical <laughs> or whatever. They had games writers. Um, which is kind of a fucked up thing that happened. But anyway, they started a gaming vertical because people were reading their, like there were way more people reading their articles um, on games yeah. and it, like the pandemic contributed. So like there is like, there is a appetite for a long form writing. And I think it's like, yeah, I think, I think it's kind of about recognizing I kind of like I think separating the noise from the signal and like knowing the like the audience that is actually appreciating what you have to, to put out there uh, versus kind of getting um, like like yeah getting overwhelmed by by people who are just going to hate no matter what like they're not going to like under they're not going to give good faith in terms of like what we write and what we when we want to take a game seriously as an as a as an object of art like a, as a piece of art as like a production mm -hmm. like not as a you know a like where cyberpunk is some, something closer to like a cultural event like or like mm -hmm. this is something that is like i'm aligning my identity with this is going to be my activity for the next x number of months like no we're just talking about this thing as as an art as a piece of art and we're going to like talk about its cultural relevance to like the world around it, to the people who worked on it, the people, the people who are playing it, the people who ha who have like negative experiences um, based on their identity identities playing it. Um, these are all like fair, um, I think, factors to to bring in, into the to the discussion. And it, and there are people who then, when you put that out, respond well and like actually like are like, wow, people are writing at this level about this game. They're not just treating it as like you know a piece of software or just like kind of a uh, something that doesn't have cultural value. I think that's like it's kind of like where you know build it, they will come sort of thing. Even though who knows mm -hmm. like if that's actually accurate, but it feels like it is. Like there is like audiences like I've like you know notice people that you know show up when I write something, and that's like really um, affirming to have. I think it's something that's really good to focus on. It keeps me like wanting to do it because there you know there is not a lot, a huge amount of other incentive outside of outside of that. Mm -hmm. No, I'm really glad that you you did bring that up because it is really affirming because I will frequently fall into pits where I'm just like, why, you know, like what's what's like the motivation here for me to, to do this? It's like you said, like there's just a lot of reasons to kind of not mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, um, and and just frustrations and feeling like, you know, am I am I just yelling at a wall? <laughs> um, but then you find people who like your, your, what you say does resonate with them and it's impactful and meaningful. And, and like you said, as far as like more and more sites producing gaming content, I mean, I fell into two different opportunities at the end of the year. Um, 
like writing for sites that don't really talk about video games all that much like i have a piece for collider coming out um in the next few days and i have been writing for uprocks and like both of these places are not places that typically it's not like a gaming news place but they want to get more invested in it because it's doing super well for them mm-hmm. um and it's it's a growing industry you know i've said it earlier in this podcast even but it is and it's cool to know that <laughs> as much as people um I don't know. I guess talk shit on the written word on on word streaming, as we called it before the oh, episode. Yeah, Stop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's publication, by the way, is word streaming. Yeah. Um, but no, as much as people like, I don't know, like to act like it's dead or some shit, it really isn't. It's changing for sure, and and media convergence is a thing. But like, it it's not dead. There are still lots of people who who love reading and who you know, find what you say useful and meaningful. Hell yeah. I mean, Uppercut wouldn't exist if that wasn't the case, because we mostly write. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, yeah. We're like 90% writing at this point, really. Yeah, Snowboard bullet points. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we we do podcasts, but very infrequently, because we're both really tired and lazy. I mean, even (laughs) even GameSpot, right? Like, I write news at GameSpot, um, Mm -hmm. and Callie, like, does reviews like the written word is still very much a thing yeah oh yeah absolutely i i do think like it does always i'm glad you brought that up though yusuf because like it's important to remember that people do read it like and it's it's not like like when you do look at the numbers it's not just like a, a bunch of faceless people that all hate you like it there are people who actually read and enjoy and like that kind of brings me back like brings it back to what i said at the beginning which is like the experience of the cyberpunk review while awful in a lot of ways actually like did serve to remind me that people in this industry actually i guess care about my presence here which i just didn't it didn't occur to me like i i genuinely was surprised like i said that people were being so complimentary and um i kind of needed that pick me up so it was like it's so cliche, I think, to say like the vocal minorities, the, the that's what the negative is, but it, it is often true. That does not invalidate the experience of being harassed. I would know it's awful, but like you do have to remember that there are still a lot of people who do enjoy reading your work and who genuinely like reading um video game criticism or features or like I like reading video game guides. That is my secret hobby. I like reading guides. Um, so, like, and I know I'm not the only person who does that because I couldn't possibly be. So y- you do have to keep that in mind when you're faced with, like, the immense pressure and the constant overthinking and the wanting to please everyone and all of that. Like, hey, at least somebody is my audience. I think it's mostly um, by girls with depressed gamer boyfriends, but, um, you know... <laughs> There, there's lots of us. That kind of there are dozens of us. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I think that a lot of times we kind of forget about who the average person is who plays games a lot because once you're in like the games Twitter sphere, um, that becomes like such an important thing. Um, mm-hmm. But like I think about, I mean, way before I was on Twitter, when I was, I mean, I've always loved games like growing up, and I remember being a kid and going to IGN. And, you know, like just reading articles and being like, oh, this game sounds cool. I want to play it. And what's funny is I 
you know, recently applied for a job at IGN too. And like, I told my dad and, you know, my dad's always liked games too. And he's like, oh, that's super cool. Like I still, I read all their stuff all the time, you know? And like, there's, there's so many people who aren't like connected, who aren't saying anything, who, who still, who go to these sites and who love this stuff and who read it. And you, you know, you'll never, you'll never know just like who, who they are. They're not going to, you know, message you on Twitter and be like, oh, this is super awesome. Like, I love your work, but like these people do exist. Yeah. I mean, my dad even was like, when I told him I was doing guides for Miles Morales, he was like, oh, that's so cool. I'm really excited about that game. Yeah. And I was like, you're not going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My, I it's, oh, sorry. No, no. I was going to say, it's always the funniest stuff when like people who are disconnected from, from gaming have heard about something. <laughs> like yeah. that's what been my experience with Cyberpunk the last week, which has been fucking hilarious. It's like my mom who does not play games just being like, have you heard about this game? And I'm like, let me tell have you I? how much I've heard about this game. I had to explain again to my father yesterday. Uh, he was like, how's writing going? And I was like, great, I'm doing a guides gig. And he was like, oh, cool, for what game? And I was like, well, that's a complicated question for me to answer. <laughs> um, yeah, both of my oh, parents, God. like, I grew up playing games with my parents. And, like, my dad still plays a ton of, like, he's he's just a first-person shooter guy. And right now he's playing Metro Last Light. So he's just, like, he's going hard right now. But he's, he's, he's never going to play Cyberpunk. He's dystopian he's, fantasy he's he's having a he he plays spec ops like once a month like he's just like he has his his games and so he he doesn't really venture outside of like first person shooters and even he was like bragging i heard him bragging to someone on the phone like callie reviewed cyberpunk and there was a ton of conversation about it and i was like not gonna correct him I about love that <laughs> you know? that's very cute oh. that and is he... so cute though not he, wrong. It's, it's really it's really cute. I was like, you're you're technically correct. I'm not gonna expand. <laughs> he he was he saw me play I was playing, I've been staying with my parents um during the pandemic and I was playing Cyberpunk at a computer at their kitchen table. And so for Christmas my dad got me a gaming chair because he was so horrified with my posture. <laughs> oh. That's just a quick side. I, I love your parents. I don't know your parents, but I love your parents. <laughs> this is, that's great. Um, but I will say, I think that I, I like the fact that this is kind of wrapping up on a positive note. <laughs> so I will, I will start wrapping it here. Um, but I did want to, Yusuf, you mentioned um, kind of taking some time to to talk about some of our favorite reviews, either that we've written or we've read. So if anybody wants to talk about anything that they've really loved, take a moment to, you know, shine a light on some good work. I think now's a pretty good time before we, we wrap up. It's kind of funny because I, I added that note and then I was like, I should look up some reviews and I did, I did not. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I look up any reviews. Well, it's okay I mean, because yeah. I commented, I love this for sure. And I did the same thing. <laughs> oh. That would be a good idea. I mean, I will say, yeah. like, I did, uh, it was kind of funny, I, I wanted to bring it up before, but, like, with the Last of Us 2, uh, re- like, um, the story embargo thing, I really, like, in spite of that, I really enjoyed, like, Ju- Julie Muncy's review about it for Wired. Yeah. Um, like, where she was able to, like, really, like, so well evoke the actual, like, tone of the game, despite not being able to talk about half of it, which is, like, so impressive to me, because, like, I like that's 
I don't think I could do that. Like, I, when I reviewed, like, Call of Duty, I, I was like, I'm going to spoil every single plot point about this game because, like, I want to talk about every level, everything. Um, and I just, like, it was, like, I want, like, I, that, that is, like, actually a skill. Like, it's a skill I probably, you know, shouldn't have to have, but, it, like, when you see it, you know, you have to respect it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the ability to, like make to to write in a way that's like atmospheric and like portrays the tone of the thing that you're talking about um without explicitly like bullet point listing off everything in it um yeah i mean that's that's amazing i remember julie's review and it was fantastic so i'm really glad that you brought that up actually mm-hmm. um mine uh another julie shout out i really liked julie's kingdom hearts 3 review from last year um arguably the uh best kingdom hearts 3 review um she's the authority she really is um and then two this year like a week or two ago i think very recently uh dialacina posted on paste her uh shadow run i don't remember which shadow run it was but uh her shadow run review um which was Mm -hmm. very funny and very good um and then you know, spitefully, I'm gonna say read my fucking Bug Snacks review because the critical reception <laughs> to Bug Snacks has made me feel insane. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I agree. That's a I good agree. reminder. I will read it. <clears throat> um, I really loved on not to not to plug uppercut, but also to plug uppercut. Absolutely, um, this is our Harvey's show. Piece. <laughs> yeah that's true oh my god yeah this is see this is we haven't done um a podcast in so long i forgot this Jessica, is like this is our, our podcast <laughs> okay i guess i'm allowed to plug uppercut on an uppercut podcast um but no haru's piece on ghost of tsushima mm-hmm. was was really really good I, I really liked it a lot true um true for good. me i uh, Carolyn Pettit again. I really loved her piece on Last of Us Part Two. Um, I just like she makes me feel like an actual idiot. I love her writing so much. I'm like <laughs> wow, you'll never. I'll never. I I'll never have a fraction of what you have. Um, I just thought it was really insightful. <laughs> that is a specific a specific feeling that you like. We I totally understand when you read a review. Yeah, I feel like, like everybody has like oh. that one person that they're just like, <laughs> you are the coolest, and I will never be like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read a review today too. Um, it just went up today. It's a uh, Jason Sheehan his review on NPR of Cyberpunk. That one was really good. <laughs> I liked it a whole lot. It was a good old fashioned smackdown. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> was that the NPR one? It was the, the NPR one? one, yeah. Yeah, okay. NPR. Okay. I saw that. I haven't read it yet. It was it was actually very good. Um I I think it, it was definitely a smackdown, so it was kind of just uh I don't know. Uh, you have to understand it as that, but <laughs> I got so much reading to do before I write my cyberpunk letter. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, I haven't stuff. done the um like year end wrap up thing because I'm like who's gonna ha- have time to read any of the, the stuff that I post right now? I'm gonna wait. <laughs> I'm gonna wait because I feel like now's not the time. Yeah, it's um congested is <laughs> a word, I guess. <laughs> but I think that does it for us for this episode. Does anybody have anything they want to say before before we? 
put the bow on this. Kelly, I did read your review before, right before this, and I thought it's awesome. I thought it was very excellent, oh, well, well written, and very, very balanced. I actually think like pretty po more positive than a seven. I think you should give it maybe a higher number. <laughs> Callie, would you say if a friend if a friend asked you would you say if it's I can't talk if a friend asked you would you say it's good or okay? Uh, that's that's what I was trying to or say. Or is it good point five? I plead the fifth on that one. Um. <laughs> cyber, the, the actual cyberpunk score, at least as far as I've gotten, is just like, it's fucking bleak until it's like kind of okay. And you're like, huh. And then it goes back to being pretty fucking basic again. Yeah. That's pretty it, It's like, accurate. I haven't played a ton of it. I don't, I don't know how many hours I put into it, but it's just like, it feels like a very hollow game to me. But anyway. Anyway, <laughs> this is not um, the cyberpunk spoiler cast. This is this is not the. Please say we're not doing that. I can't. I can't do it. I mean, you don't <laughs> have to be on it, but I might have to do it because I really got to process some mm. of the shit that's going on in that game. Fair, fair. Um, so uppercut listeners, look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yusuf, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at yumiyu. Um, and then that links to all my stuff, but just in case I co-edit bullet points monthly with Reed McCarter and we, uh, do like, basically cover a game, uh, a different game every month and have four or more writers do feature pieces on it. And I also write for Unwinnable. I have a column there and yeah, you can find me at those sites or at other random freelance locations. Hell yeah. And Callie, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Inky Dojiko. I can spell it. Sometimes I do. I wish I could change it, and I'm sorry. Um, I'm the <laughs> reviews editor. At we will Game also Club. include it in the show in the show notes. Yep. So. Okay. Cool. Um, you don't have to follow me on Twitter. It's mostly just uh, Animal Crossing shit. Um, uh, yeah, I am the reviews editor at Gamespot. So as such, I don't write as much as I used to, um, but I edit. All the reviews that go up there so um i would hope people would read them um and then ty where can people find you um wow i just completely forgot for a second um which is sad because i'm looking at my twitter feed um you can find me <laughs> on twitter at ty underscore gna8rs um and you know just at various publications doing doing shit i thought you were you said publications in my mind for some i thought you were gonna say public places you thought i was gonna say what public places no i don't know why Jess, like, we're in a pandemic my yeah. ass is inside yeah. that's dangerous i don't know i, I rarely like, all, leave my home <laughs> oh my gosh okay and you can find me at Just Jess is Fine over on Twitter and Instagram. Palin Around is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on all social media at Uppercut Crit and UppercutCrit.com. If you'd like to hang out with the Uppercut crew, feel free to join our Discord. As always, the link is in the episode description. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you just can't get enough, you can head over to Patreon.com slash Uppercut Crit and toss a couple of bucks our way to get it early. Or even get your name read at the end, just like these folks here.
Erica Scherer, Victor Mosspan, Jordan Ramey, Dale, Adam Manahan, Chris Hardigan, Jesse Vitelli, Eric Sapp, GameCrash.co.uk, Adept7777, Tyler McCall, Optional Objectives, Michael Diaz Suarez, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyon, Eric Jin, Eli Bergmoss, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Matthew Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Sean Martin, Jesse Peterson, Jared Shu, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Quinton Hoffman, and Mikey Phillips. Thank you all so much for your generosity, and thank you, listener, for palling around with us. Bye, everybody. Bye.